In this episode, I get the chance to speak to Pat Sear, owner of Sirius Garage Works, builder of badass machines, and most well-known in his recent role driving for Toyota in Formula D Canada. We start off, as usual, by uncovering Pat's roots in automotive and what got him into cars. Then we move into his time in Formula D, where we get a wicked rundown on what it takes to be competitive, and in Pat's case, to win in the series. The detail we get on Pat's time in Formula D and piloting a drift car is super educational, so if you've ever had any questions about what it takes, this is certainly the episode for you. We end off with some early news of Pat's plans for the upcoming race season and a bit of a surprise on a new format he's out to crush in 2017. Pat's a badass. He builds incredibly badass machines. There's no question this guy's at the top of his game. As usual, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Welcome to episode 25 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. So tonight I'm really lucky to have the one and only Pat Sear, owner and founder of Sirius Garage Works with me. So Pat, thank you so much for coming tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, stoked to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, it's uh, You've been kind of one of those guests that I've always had on this on this list of people who are doing super cool things in Canada um, with automotive. I mean, even outside of Canada. So um pumped that you're here and uh, uh, I think what we'll do is we'll just like jump right into what I like to do with everyone when they come is find out what it was that got them interested in cars like what was it that that kind of inspired you it, the first it was the first most memorable moment about cars that got you into it where you're like oh shit these things are pretty yeah. interesting I think um, for me I know talking to my parents when I was very young like <laughs> one or two years old I think it was always kind of there uh, my father had a couple of old British sports cars, and I used to always go in the garage and uh, kind of hang out with him, and he was working on his own cars. And I think the earliest story my mom always said is I was probably about two, and I was in the garage with my father, and I had a screwdriver in my hand, and I was stabbing the air filter of his uh, <laughs> Triumph Spitfire. And uh, I was helping, but I was really just bashing a bunch of holes in it. And I think that was kind of the first sort of, you know, time I was uh, into working on cars, I guess you could say. <laughs> but I mean, I've always, I've always liked cars. I think it's just something that's been bred into me. And there wasn't really any moment where I was like, oh, I saw that car. I'm like, oh, I can't get into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I've just always kind of been into them. And uh, it's just always something that's been in, been, been, uh, been there, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, but. Right. And so were you, uh, like, were you and your dad, like, wrenching on cars together or anything like that as you were growing up? A little bit, yeah. I mean, my parents, unfortunately, split up when I was probably about 13 or 14. So the byproduct of that was my father had a garage full of tools. And when he moved out, he had nowhere to put the tools. So I pretty much got all the, all the tools. So um, when he moved out, I was able to kind of go in the garage and just kind of learn how to wrench on my own things. And then my uh, my uncle gave me a, a 68 Corvair for my 16th birthday that he had <laughs> owned awesome. for years. So yeah. that was kind of one of the first cars I sort of took apart and played around with a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was always, I always wrenched on my own bikes and 
you know, I made I made model cars for a long time too. That was sort of my really, I guess, first thing into hot rodding was was you know building model cars. And oh cutting, no shit! Cutting model cars apart was uh, was sort of things. I take engines from one model and stick it in the other model, and wheels cool. and tires from other kits. I would buy a kit just for its wheels and uh, and its engines just to put in other models that I had on the go. So that's awesome. So like inherent into what you're doing, when you're a kid. It was just like born and bred into you. Pretty much. I mean, I even just cool. take you know when you get a model model kit it comes with like the framing where all the yeah. parts are all stuck in yeah. i would take the tubes and then make little roll cages like heat the, <laughs> heat the tubes up and then glue roll cages in the cars so that's awesome uh, it was just meant to be i think that was super cool i mean yeah that's a good sign that you were going to be into like messing with cars <laughs> yeah. at a later age um okay so then what was the first car that you owned yourself my first car that I owned myself that I went out and bought, I bought an 86 Oldsmobile Cutlass. Nice. Uh, I bought it for 100 bucks for my high school teacher. And my intention was actually to pull the motor on that. And I had this big dream of building a uh, Volvo 240 wagon. I, I don't know. I always loved those two things. And I wanted to That's put... That's awesome. I love that today still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always liked station wagons and that was kind of the thing. So I bought the Oldsmobile to pull the motor out of that and put it in an old Volvo. Yeah. And then I never found the old Volvo and, you know, I got my license. I was like, well, I got this stupid Oldsmobile. So <laughs> I started, uh, I started driving that car and, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of history ever since. I think I've had like three G body Oldsmobiles since then. No kidding. Yeah. I, I had that one for a bit and then it had a rotted frame and it was a piece of junk. So I, I pulled the engine out of that and scrapped it and bought another one. Uh, drove that one for a bit and it was a piece of junk, scrapped it. And then I bought um, one of the cars that I was kind of more known for in my early days was a, an 82 Oldsmobile Cutlass Cruiser, which was a G-body station wagon, Oldsmobile station wagon. Oh, no way. Um, so I put a I put a Tuneport Corvette engine in that one, converted oh it to manual transmission. I put wow. air suspension on it, shaved the door handles, fully oh, shaved engine bay. It was a pretty cool car. Everyone known me as uh, as that dude with the with the the cool station wagon. It was kind of all before drifting and all that kind of stuff too. So. That's wild. Like, how uh, old were you when you had that thing? Uh, 19, 20, 21, probably oh, around God. there. Wow. Yeah. It, was, it was before the whole drifting thing. I was doing yeah. a little bit of autocross, but didn't really know anything about drifting at that point. Wow. You got to show me some photos of that thing. Yes, I'd definitely. love to see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, biggest or most epic failure when you're like learning how to build and like you're working yeah. on all these kind of projects before you had your own garage, before you got into any of this stuff. Like, yeah. what was the most memorable in terms of like big failures you've had? One of my, I guess, biggest failures was when we were trying to get um, into DMCC. I had gone and watched and uh, one of the pro events, and a lot of the guys there were Corollas were running uh, carburetors on their Corollas, like, uh, like right. McCunies or whatever. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's the way to go. And the carburetor just seems like the way. And I went out and I bought a set of motorcycle carburetors and I made my own intake manifold. And I tried to do all this research and I almost spent the better part of a summer. Like I had plans on, on building the car over the winter and then trying to uh, enter pro competition and drifting for my first year. And I spent the whole summer trying to sort out this stupid carburetor setup. <laughs> I couldn't get it to work right. I couldn't get the distributor right. Everything was just wrong. And I'd say that was my biggest failure. I lost a, a basically a year. I, I never ended up driving that year, but I ended up switching over and just going, well, the heck with carburetors. Let's go with turbos. And then <laughs> it's been history ever since there. I, it was definitely a good move on my part on that end to say the heck with the carburetors and let's go turbocharge. So right, nice. I regrouped and did another year and then that was... That well, was it's kind of like, you know, I think if, if, you'd, if you'd been really great at building and, and and working with that carburetor, you probably would have gone a different direction. Then. Well, that's it, right? I mean, we would have, I would have fought my way through drifting with, you know, relatively no horsepower and... Uh, 
Uh, yeah, it would have been it would have been a different different way to do it. But um, I mean, once I put the turbo on that car, it was it was such an animal. And compared to the other Corollas that were drifting at the time, mm-hmm. they they couldn't compare. The turbo was the way to go. That's wild. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes complete sense. It, uh, it, it's such a big step from a carbureted car to a turbocharged car. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing. The guys that were driving it was Ben Alden and another one of his buddies uh, from the states. You know, they were kind of Ben had. Uh, uh, he was in the army in Japan, so that was the whole thing in Japan. Everyone ran carbureted and ITVs and all that stuff. They didn't really turbocharge. Turbocharging Corollas was like, eh, you know, I don't know. It's not really the authentic thing. Yeah, yeah. So when I saw it, I'm like, wow, they sound great, and they were making it happen, but it just didn't seem like they had a lot of grunt. But it it worked. But yeah, putting a turbo on a Corolla, I only put it on the 16 valve, and it was a it was a fun two years. It That's worked awesome. Out quite well though, for the first couple of years <laughs> for me with that setup. Um. What was the cool car that everybody had when you were in high school? The one that you looked at and you're like, fuck, I wish I had one of those things. The, the one I wish, I mean, we also mostly had beaters. I mean, I think mm-hmm. one that stands out the most to me, not the one that I wanted, mm-hmm. but I remember this guy, Everton, he had an Aerostar, not an Aerostar, it was a, it was the Ford minivan. Uh, maybe it was an Aerostar, yeah. Aerostar. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It looks yeah, like a totally. space shuttle. Totally. He had the long wheelbase one yeah. and he cut the springs on that thing. Like it was no it was way. so slammed. And I remember sitting in class and then watching him drive down the road and this this Aerostar just hopping down the street because it was just so cut to the ground. I was like, that's badass. You know? <laughs> it was so different. And that was the thing back then. No one no one could afford suspension or any of that kind of stuff. It was all about cutting coils. And I don't know how many coils I've cut over the years on buddy's cars. In those early days, it was like, oh, we buy a car. All right, let's get out the grinder and slice the coils out of it right and the cars just drove like shit and it was it was pretty crappy but <laughs> that was what we did back then but yeah no no one car that anyone had really really stood out to me and my, my, my Oldsmobiles were pretty cool at the time and they used to do big nasty burnouts with those things um, <laughs> and did you you grew up did you grow up in Toronto uh, Mississauga in Mississauga yeah. cool yeah. Right. so there was a good there was a decent car scene there at the time yeah I bet yeah um fuck what did we have we, I mean it's kind of embarrassing but at the same point it was sign of the times was it was the guy that had like the the fresh minty Civic SI. That yeah. I was like, oh man, as if yeah. this guy's got. I remember one of my buddies. His parents went and bought him a brand new Integra, and I was like, oh, oh whatever, man. yeah, good for you, man. But oh man, yeah, yeah. I was driving. I was driving a Dodge Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't. I mean, I didn't have. I honestly didn't have my own car that I'd bought, and I. I mean, the first car I actually like bought and was building. It was like a 91 Civic, and that was when I was all of probably like 22 years old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like that was the first real car that I'd owned that I was going to build. I mean, it took a long time. but Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, high school. The other thing, there was like some guy had, it was like back in like the first gen of like the SRT trucks. Okay. Uh, and it was like a single cab. It was a single cab short box. But it was like it was like the Viper truck. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, his parents owned like a crazy body shop, and he had all of the access to everything yeah. that he needed. And then he, and then I remember later on, he was such a hilarious dude. He built a monster truck, but he had the it was like a uh, shit. I can't remember like the chassis code for the 
uh, would it be like the late eighties, early nineties Camaro? Okay. And this thing was just like perched on like a full monster truck body. It was the most ridiculous and he drove thing. That thing ever around seen. The street. And he drove that thing down the street. Oh, yeah. Uh, he inevitably lost his license for other reasons, <laughs> but uh, and he and he, he ended up driving really fast four wheelers after that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So what do you drive? What's your daily driver today? What's your like stable daily drivers? Or you know what do you yeah. what have you got? Uh, my daily daily grind is uh, I got a sign FRS. And, uh, I, you know they they didn't give it to me. I went and bought it. It was a it was a rollover car that I bought uh, right. that I fixed up. But um, uh-huh. you know I love that car. It's just fun to drive and uh, it's light on its feet. It's good on gas and it's just it's always fun to have a car. You know they say it's always fun to drive a slow car fast and a, than a fast car fast. So yeah. the FRS I find myself I'm I'm always flat on the gas everywhere and I'm yeah. taking on ramps as fast as possible. But you know you don't find yourself you know way out of the speed limit when you're driving it and i i just really enjoy that car so i have that uh, i have my my duramax uh, suburban that i built uh years ago uh, oh right that's my, my tow pick that's your tow machine yeah, yeah. so yeah. i still I still got that thing um i mean what else i got project 86 is technically mine when that comes back but nice. <laughs> uh, that'll be the toyota's got that for the next uh the next year and then when that comes back that'll be one of my other little toys i'll have and then oh, that's awesome and then yeah i got a, a 400 uh the 96 Forerunner truck that uh, I've kind of been doing some off-roading with. I don't really drive it on the daily. It's more yeah. of just, uh, you know, take it out in the mud and kind of play around. But uh, I drive that a little bit, too. That's pretty awesome. We'll yeah. get to that in a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that a lot of people that are probably listening know you very well um, from from drifting and Formula D, Formula yeah. D Canada. Um, and so... Uh, what we'll do is uh, I've got a bunch of questions for you here in terms of, um, you know, a little bit it's kind of like education for those who aren't necessarily fully in the know because they've got such a, I have such a, an interesting kind of like wide spectrum of people that are listening yeah. from guys that focus solely on autocross to guys that are yeah. like time attack guys um, to some rally guys. Uh, and now with, with uh, Drift, maybe if you could just give us like a little bit of a breakdown on what Formula D yeah. is, but I mean, for, what Formula D is, but I mean, what drifting is to Formula D in Canada. Yeah. Uh, you give me kind of a little background on that. Yeah, I mean, Formula D is pretty much the pinnacle of the sport. Um, you know, D1 is the, the Japanese uh, sort of the high-end stuff, but FD is pretty much the, the biggest sort of sanctioning drifting body in the world. Um, and they've sort of branched out to what's called FD Canada. So mm-hmm. um, it's sort of their own, FD Canada is their own separate series from FD America. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it's the top level of drifting in Canada. And they've, they have around an eight-round series uh, every year. And um, yeah, it's, 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 drifting is kind of, uh, it's, you know, if you don't know, it's a judge sport. So it's a little bit different than any other kind of motorsport. Yeah. And uh, the judges are always looking for uh, things like line, angle, speed, and style. And that's kind of the cool thing about drifting as compared to any other motorsports is where your style can kind of show through, um, you know, how hard you throw the car into the corner, how much smoke it produces, you know, how, how you just smash on the throttle and how you can flow a car through a course, which is what I kind of always enjoyed uh, with drifting is that, you know, it shows your personality and, and you know how much balls you got really to, to throw <laughs> yeah. the car into a corner that fast and then scrape it against the wall and all that kind of stuff. You can call a guy that's comfortable and that's bold, and from a guy that's a little bit nervous and and, and not willing to make mistakes. So, um, so yeah, it's a it makes down to they have a like a top sixteen competition. So mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have you have qualifying, and they pick the sixteen guys, and then it goes onto a ladder system where you do a head to head, and. Uh, Basically, you get a lead and a follow lap, and the judges pick who did a better job at it. And the whole purpose of your lead lap is to run a 100-point qualifying run. So the judges tell us where they want your car exactly on the course, so they'll put set up clipping points. 
Um, some sections of the track will be outer clipping points, so they want the back of your car to go very close to walls. And then they'll have inner clipping zones where it's basically just a pylon where you can try to get the car, the nose of the car close. So they'll put all those sort of spots up on the track. Um, they'll tell you that where there's braking zones where they expect you to brake and then other zones where you should be on the throttle. And if you're not doing those things at those part, those sections, they'll dock you points. So on your lead lap, you're supposed to, you know, do a hundred point qualifying run. And on your follow lap, you're supposed to follow that lead car basically wherever he goes and stay within, you know, six inches of the guy, really. <laughs> the, the closer you are to him, the better without actually contacting that lead car. Right. Um, and so uh, you get one lead lap, one follow, and uh, the judges basically pick who did the better job of those two laps. And then if they can't decide, you get it one more time and you go at it again. <laughs> so... Uh... How I mean, who who are the judges? Like, how are the judges picked? Or like, who who sits on that kind of uh, panel? It's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, in America, um, they have Andy Yen is a, kind of the long term judge. He was a driver of the series, and uh, I guess he you know lost sponsors or whatever, and gave it up and said, hey, I can do judging. So yeah, um, he did that. Uh, Brian Eggert is the other guy in FD America. I'm not sure what his back. He's always been done running kind of grassroots drifting and stuff. But I guess they just approached him. He had a lot of knowledge in drifting. And then the third judge, a personal friend of mine, actually, Ryan Lontane. Um, he's a Canadian as well. Uh, he was a driver in DMCC. Um, and uh, I kind of, he, he lost a sponsor uh, with, with BFG and just couldn't really afford to do it anymore. And mm-hmm. I guess he was out dinner one day with someone, and they said, "Hey, maybe you make a good judge." And, uh, and now he's he's pretty much you know the the top guy in FD judging in America. You know they're sending him to Japan, and he's going to Norway, and he's all over the place. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, he's doing a lot of things with the FIA, so it's pretty cool. You know, Ryan's a a, a very smart guy and uh, very enthusiastic about drifting, and he's a good driver too. Is is the other thing and. Uh, he's always he's pushing the sport and trying to, to change things and make it better because it's not an easy job doing that whole judging thing, uh, especially when you're at a level four when they drift where you got so much money and there's so many companies involved with it. You know, if they think it's a bad call and they don't agree with it, you know, the judges are going to hear about it. So um, he's pushing to kind of make all that stuff a much more uniform and cut and dry, but it's it's a difficult thing to do. You know, that's uh, drifting is it's a matter of opinion, and yeah, the I mean, it's, will just, have it, right? it's so subjective too, based that's on it. you know it's, it's, even you know, down to what mood you're in or like yeah, what kind of you know, you, know, you piss the judge off earlier. Well, I mean, I'm, thing, I'm not right? saying that you, that you don't want to think that that's in their heads. That yeah, well, you know, I made fun of that guy years ago. Is he going to remember that <laughs> and, then, and then dock me two points less because that subconsciously is, is there? I yeah, don't know. absolutely. So they're trying they're trying different things. I mean, in Japan, they use this thing called the drift box. So it's like a G meter that mm-hmm. basically can tell how much angle the car is driving at, uh, when it's accelerating, when it's decelerating, and it comes up with a certain amount of points that it spits out um, at the end of a run. Oh wow! It seems to work okay, but the problem is that drivers have figured out ways to make the drift box do what it you know go to a maximum amount right with not maybe doing running the nicest runs but the drift box spits out a a, a really big score and it looks good so it's it's kind of you know it's It's interesting thing so i know fd is trying to kind of i think they're looking into different ways whether that's tools that they can use that are like g meters to to kind of know how much angle the car is driving at knowing if it's accelerating or braking and uh, i mean all those types of things in drifting are can kind of throw off a follow car or a lead car you know if you're abruptly braking in a certain spot it's very hard to tell when you're up in a judging tower did he jam on the brakes there or did he do this and that and you know that can dock it so they're trying to figure out uh you know ways to kind of make it more cut and dry and clear right yeah i mean that makes that makes total sense i always i like i'd always been kind of questioning myself on how 
if it's a, up to a panel of judges, like, is there ever going to be a mathematical way or an objective way? I mean, for I don't it to think really, you know, a mathematical way. I don't think it ever. It has to always have a human aspect. Yeah. You, you know, once again, drifting is about style. And yeah. It, it takes a human to kind of see that and go, well, that looks good or that doesn't. Uh, you yeah. Know? So I don't think I don't think they'll ever be able to figure out a machine that'll actually figure that out. But the machine can help, you know, uh, figure out acceleration and, and angle and, and speed and right. all that kind of stuff. Maybe like helps to influence some of the factors. Exactly, it can on. it yeah. can be like fifty percent of the score, sixty percent right. or something, and really, and it can it can make into factor into how they make their call and if it was a good runner. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I honestly I had no clue that, yeah. uh, that, that 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 was happening. And that's only in Japan right now. Uh, in Japan, they're doing the, this thing called the Drift Box. They've been using it yeah. for a while. Yeah. And I think FD is kind of playing around with their own sort of system and trying to do it. It's just a, it's very hard to make a consistent tool. You know, this is a custom-made thing that they're trying to figure out. Yeah. So, and I mean, every, if everybody's putting one of them in their car, like, you know, what kind of tampering is going to happen with it? Like well, you said, like it. the drivers yeah, learn yeah. the system. And in between runs, they have to put it from one car to the next car and not have it fail. Uh, and if it does fail, then what? happens you know yeah. is the run screwed you start can't do over it again. again yeah there's so many variables and it's 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 yeah. got to be a difficult thing for them to figure out i would bet crazy interesting so i mean okay so then between um formula d in canada and formula d in the u.s i know there are some pretty huge differences yes. um you know clearly everything that happens in canada to what happens in the u.s usually is scale so like, yeah you know, yeah everything I mean, in the u.s is happening in budgets <laughs> and audiences and yeah. number of races and inner sorry, number of events yeah. um you know it's, there's obviously a ton of differences between the two but i mean for you like what do you see as the biggest differences between what's happening in the u.s and what's happening in canada i mean once again it's budget and development i mean the teams in the u.s um, this is their job. It's it's purpose built race teams. You know they have millions of dollars set into this stuff, and they they test and they develop cars to go super fast sideways. Yeah, and it's you know these their their teams are hiring engineers to kind of figure out how to make these cars go. And we're in Canada, you know, we're we're going off of our own knowledge and. I don't think there's anyone in Canada that uses drifting as their career, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> that is a career drift driver. I don't think anyone's right. at that level. Um, so yeah, that that's one of the bigger factors. I mean, budgets budgets are just well, they're out of control in the U.S. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's <laughs> but I that's mean, with everything, right? You know, totally. whether it's drifting or road racing or, or yeah. any of that kind of stuff, the budgets are always much more larger in the and in the states. If you take a look at um, Formula Drift site, especially in the U.S., yeah, um, there's a ton. Like, I mean, the sponsor list it goes oh, on forever yeah. and ever it's, and ever. It's so, huge. Yeah. I mean, the money's coming in yeah. from what I'd heard. I, so I listened to uh, I listened to a podcast called Mask maximum drift yes, test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those guys those guys are pretty awesome. Yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, um a couple of others that are non-drift focused too, but I mean, from what I've heard, it kind of sounds like to even be considered to be a player in the game, like you got to be talking a thousand horsepower plus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a horsepower war out there. Um you know, yeah, you got to be in the 800 to 1000 horsepower and run really good grippy tires on your car. If right. you don't have that combination, it's going to be no good. But I mean, it still takes skill to handle that thousand horsepower too. If you don't have that, you're not going to do very well either. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and that's the problem is is that now, so you have all these like thousand horsepower cars. They're having issues where guys, you put a brand new set of tires on the car, and then you know you're supposed to do a lead lap and a fall lap. On the fall lap, the cars are the tires are shredded. They're no almost shit. they're almost done, right? Wow. These cars can literally destroy a set of tires within you know In a lap and run. a half. <laughs> oh my god. You're talking wheel speeds of you know excess of 200 kilometers an hour. It just destroys tires, and you're running tires yeah. that are making you know 180 treadwear tires. So <laughs> lots of grip, and yeah. the cars develop a lot of mechanical grip, and it just destroys rubber. So. 
it's it's a thing where I think uh, FD's made a cool thing in FD America um, Pro Two, which is their feeder series. Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah. Basically, they've set it up where they've capped all the cars to run only a 255 size tire. Doesn't matter what you're driving. Doesn't matter how much power you got. Anything. You 255. So that's it. Wow. And you have a minimum weight that the car has to be uh, has to have to have. And I think that's a really good step in the right direction because you can have a thousand, fifteen hundred, whatever horsepower you want. If you're on a 255, it ain't gonna make a difference. Really, yeah. a 255. Uh, size tire with 600 horsepower is probably the ideal setup. Right. So they're kind of, I think with Pro 2, they're trying to keep it more attainable. A lot of guys are building these monster cars for Pro 2, and, you know, they, these guys are show up with unlimited budgets, and then they blow away any of the sort of lower-end guys that are trying to make their break into drifting. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think even for on a pro level, if they had cap, if they cap it off like that, I think it would make for a more exciting competition because then everyone is basically driving on the same size tire, Horsepower is not really a factor at that point. Mm-hmm. Chassis makes a difference because uh, obviously certain cars will develop more grip than others just due to their natural, the way the suspensions are designed and everything. Um, but it's definitely, it's a tough thing that they have to deal with. I mean, as with anything in America, you know, just more money, more horsepower, they just keep more, 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 more. And then you see there's a point where it's just unattainable, unattainable for anyone to kind of get into it. Yeah. And uh, it almost, it hurts the show at that point because then you just have a couple of key players that just take off on everyone. And it's, 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 it makes Yeah, it becomes like a bit of a money game where it's like, who's throwing more money yeah, at it? Yeah, and yeah. whoever could be more successful. Would you say then that Pro 2 is like, Maybe a little bit closer to what's realistic in Canada. In oh, terms totally. Of yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did Pro Two for a little while. I think two or three years ago, and it was unrealistic. Even then, we were showing up, and I kind of they came up with this rule for the two fifty five star. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go back now. I think now I feel like I would have we'd have a good chance of actually being competitive down there with that size of a tire and, uh, right. and our car with the setup that it is. You yeah. don't need a thousand horsepower to compete. You know? how, how many and and if you were to go like say hypothetically you were to go yeah. do that how many races do they run in the U.S. Uh, I think they do for Pro Two I think it's four or five rounds. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think it's around four. They usually it's piggybacked off of their pro event, so it happens on the same weekend as a pro event. Right, but they don't do it on all of their events. And then in the their like strict pro category, how many races? Uh, I think they have nine or ten rounds. Yeah, like there's there's quite a few. Yeah, they're, they're building it up. In comparison, in Canada, where there's maybe like six races. Uh, six in Canada, events? they're doing eight rounds. Yeah. Uh, I say that with quotations, Simon. Yeah. But they're doing the two rounds per weekend about some of them. So uh, okay, okay. So yeah, we have the same track on Saturday. It's uh, round six, and on Sunday it's round seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. they just started doing that this year. I'm not entirely sure why they they went ahead and did that. And you know. <laughs> From once again, from a budget standpoint, I mean, at least you're there, but on a competition day, we can burn up anywhere from 16 to 20 to 24 tires on the back of a car. You know, when you're, oh when you're, when you're, we were running Advans on the back, you know, and I wasn't getting them for free. We were sponsored by Yokohama, but yeah, it, it adds up fast. So, you know, in a weekend, you blast through 40 tires. It's like, holy, you know, this is that's crazy. <laughs> and to think a privateer for a privateer to be able to run a team that way, I mean, that's oh, it's, it's, it's insane. You that's know? And that's, that's the problem. Dumb. And that's and that's even in Canada, what the level is getting to is that there are, you know, there's probably a I would say six or seven guys that are well off and they are spending a lot of their own money to build a sick program and a, and a crazy car. And hey, wow. why not? You got it. Spend it. I don't, you know. Yeah, I, good for you. It's yeah. Good, it's good for them. But good for the industry. Unfortunately, but. once again, it sort of makes it a lot more difficult for a lot of the guys that are maybe on a little bit tighter budget to, to kind of compete. And then to have two rounds on, on one weekend, it just kind of seems a little ridiculous to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that seems. And, and I mean, there's got to be a. 
the fact that there's no kind of like rest and repair period between well, that's the other and thing the next too. Weekend. Yeah, I mean, on a drift weekend, the car just gets a crap kicked out of yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, you know, to run two two uh, competitions back to back in one weekend, pff, that's uh, that's that's hard on everything. Pretty heavy toll to yeah, run the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there? I mean, you're talking a lot about tires. Um, are there? This is a bit of a dumb question for me because I just don't know. Yeah. But um, are there manufacturers that are pr- trying to produce a uh, high grip, uh, high grip tire at a lower cost, specifically for drift. Yeah, events. I mean, I know Maxis came up with what was they called the the ZL Drift. I think is what they called. Um, and the problem, I think, in terms of like a pro drift tire, um, you know, you got to have grip. Drifting is about grip. A lot of people are like, oh, why don't you just throw some crusty, shitty tires on the back of the car and you go sideways? And then, no, no, it's like we're putting high end, very expensive, grippy tires on these cars to get the grip to go as fast as possible sideways. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that'll make, you know, I know Achilles kind of has uh, their, their tires are a little better budgeted. Um, you know, uh, Zestino, I think maybe they have something that's out or whatever. Um but it's difficult. If you start getting in that 200 to 180 treadwear range, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If the, if their tires are developing grip, they're going to burn down fast. There's just there's just no way around it. No one has really figured out a way to make a tire have 180 treadwear and then last 10 laps, you know. It just, right. it, I don't know. I don't know what they got to do to to come up with that, but it just seems like the rubber to make the rubber have the grip, they get burned down faster. So if you run like a harder compound rubber, yeah, it lasts longer, but you don't have the same amount of grip. So it's kind of the trade-off between the two, right? So Interesting. Um, and then with FD, you're limited. I know not in FD Canada, but in FD America, you you can only run tires that support the, the, the series. So you can't just show up with some Chinese tires that, all right, I bought these from whoever. Right. They'd be like, no, nah, you can't run them. You have to run the tires that, that sponsor the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're stuck. I mean, at least a lot of the companies have good racer programs or they give discounts to guys um, you know, that don't have a full full ride in a tire sponsor. Yeah. So that's good. But, I mean, it's you're hard-pressed to find a tire for under 100 bucks, you know, um, especially when you're running like a 265 or 275 or 285 or 295. You know, some of these got to run some big rubber on these cars. Yeah. They're not tire companies aren't giving them away. So. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, it's interesting too because I'm sure that the demand, like in general, as like a broad sweeping kind of statement, is that there just there wouldn't be enough consumer demand to be able to pick up a like a drift specific tire. I guess not. Just I know for the sake of it being a drift. I think there's tire. some Chinese brands that have been kind of dicking around with it and <laughs> figured it out. Uh, I know you know Wan Lee is one of Daigo Saito's. He's a very big driver in Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. They're one of his sponsors, and I think they've developed a, a tire that's very drift specific. Wow. I don't think that it it's not viewed in the on the realm of longevity, but in terms of grip and affordability, I think that's what it is. But right. once again, uh, I'm not sure if they're i don't think they're approved for fd and I've, I've heard rumors that fd you know they charge a lot of money to tire companies just to even be eligible so that people can use their tires in the series so yeah um well i mean if there's any if there's any consumable in a motorsport that is i think more prominent it's tires no in definitely drift, you know? uh, that that i mean uh, that's that's the main thing with drifting is the tires are the key thing and yeah yeah as I said, on a race weekend, you know, uh, between practice, qualifying, uh, you know, if you make it all the way to the end, you can easily burn up anywhere from twenty to thirty tires in a weekend, and that's that's on a on a you know on an amateur not amateur but on a Canadian level. I've heard of some FD guys they'll rip through forty or fifty tires in a weekend. It's like, 
holy cow <laughs> that's insane <laughs> you know so at a retail insane. level you're looking at you know three or four hundred bucks a tire i don't know where i get at math but 400 times 50 i'm sure that, that's yeah. a lot of money in rubber burned up in one weekend you know turned yeah. into smoke so it, well, yeah i mean a lot of guys you know i don't think there's any other motorsport in the world that consumes tires the way drifting does no i mean what an what an amazing way to keep a captive <laughs> a captive sponsor audience that's, yeah. that's fucking brilliant you just absolutely rip rubber i, I saw cars. what i feel like was probably a long time ago and it seemed kind of gimmicky at the time was like they were starting to do like colored compound tires yes, to be able to produce yeah, different yeah. colored smoke does that yeah. still exist at all i haven't i'm not sure i think kumo was one of the big big players in the the colored smoke i haven't seen anyone running that in a while yeah, I think it, it was kind of just gimmicky it thing. seemed like it must have been like you know seven years ago when i first started seeing that but i mean so i you know when i was looking at um some of the the history of fd in the u.s it looks like they've been in the u.s for about 10 years yes yeah um, and now one of those FD events that's run in that U.S. series is coming to Canada yes. uh, this year, St. Eustache yes. in Quebec. Yeah. And we were talking about it earlier, but I mean, it's like, it looks like all the races this year are all in Quebec. Um, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's something to be said about the passion for motorsport in Quebec yeah. and developing um, some really great drivers um, across a really wide variety of different motorsports yeah. uh, that tend to come from Quebec, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but in terms of that event, so is that like, is that like the full roster? Like everybody in that pro pro two category are all coming up for a race? Yeah. There? Pretty much uh, the one big event that, the, that they have at St. Eustache where the pros actually come in is, yeah, it's a, it's a full on pro FD round and, uh, um, you know, they the, all the drivers are expected to come out. I think last year when they had it, they did it for the first time. I think they got probably about eighty five percent of the guys that come out. I think some guys they have DUIs or something and they can't get across can't the get border. Across the border it seems yet. to be a big thing for Americans getting DUIs and then not being able to come across the border. I don't know why, I mean, but really, uh, I didn't realize that that was yeah, that that yeah, actually especially happened. in the drift scene. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but like, a guys. lot of guys get denied at the border for having DUIs, and I, I'm surprised that that's a big thing at the border patrol. To, I, you've had a DUI, you can't come in here. I had no clue. I mean, I, I mean. I get it. It's logical. It makes yeah. sense. But uh, at the same but, point, you're like, wait a minute. I mean, the guy's coming in, I guess, because it's his job. Right? You know, technically, uh, yeah, his profession. I don't know. I don't know. But Anyways. I mean, I've heard people get denied for, D- for coming because they had a DUI just for personal, you know, just to come. Do Wild. Whatever, so. Well. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that round is, uh, that's a full-blown pro round. Yeah. Um, I mean, last year when they had it at St. Estash, I mean, I love St. Estash. It's, it's my favorite drift track out there. Um, just the way that that track is set up. It's like stadium style. Um, and the crowd, you, you really can't beat the Montreal crowd. I mean, they just go nuts, and the beer just flows like water there. So by the end of the day, everyone <laughs> is just everybody right, right wasted and like having a great time. And yeah. people are they 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 yell and they're rowdy, and and everyone just gets right into it there. It's quite it's quite the thing. And uh, I think last year when they had it there. It was sold out. The place was yeah. just rammed, and it was such a such an electric vibe in that place that day. And uh, I it was great to kind of be there and, and watch it. We'd run a. I was in the the FD Canada event that that weekend. So rerun on the Friday, and then on the Saturday morning, and then the Saturday afternoon evening is the FD Pro event. Um, but yeah, it was it was something to watch and something to see. And uh, I mean, if you ever get a chance to go out there and you want to see some really good drifting and and just see you know what these thousand horsepower cars are, are doing down there. Um, that's the one event to go to for sure if you live in well, Canada. Even when I like, I mean, I was looking at it earlier, and uh, it looks like they've actually built uh, 
extra seating yeah, into the stadium no, they, for they this year. They add grandstands for that event, and it just sells out. It is absolutely nuts over there. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah you'd see, um, I mean, some of the big names. I mean, you'd see, like, the Von Gittens. Yeah, he's Von Gittin, Chris Forsberg, uh, you know, Frederick Osbo, running, Turk, yeah. yeah, he's running that series. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all, all the big boys will be at that one, does all he, the top players. If, in Formula Drift, is he running that, that Ferrari-powered FRS? No, I think they built that as a demo car. Oh, okay, there's okay. a lot of things on that car that are not totally legal for I, FG, yeah, I've heard so much. I mean, I saw the videos and I've seen so many crazy things about yeah. that. But what a wild build in the first place. I mean, so. at the end of the day, it's really a sick car, and yeah, it's it's but it doesn't make enough power to even be competitive in FD at all. You that's know, wild. The Ferrari engine probably makes what like five five fifty or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. But it sounds great though. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah, it does sound. And uh, I mean, I I can't remember what. Uh, I think I was listening to the Hooniverse podcast and they were talking about just like the sheer cost that went into building oh, that car. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's astronomical, but I mean, yeah. it, it's a kind of engineering marvel. Uh, yeah, Super I cool. mean, they put a sequential gearbox in it and then the ECU to figure all that stuff out and uh, the mounting. And uh, yeah, it, it looked like it. I saw the build thread on that car and it looked like a bit of a, a science project to get that <laughs> yeah. one all sorted out. But <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah, I would, I would bet the, uh, the build was quite large on that one at the end of that one. I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, okay, so um for anybody that is is listening has been interested in this part of it i mean you probably know the origins of drifting coming from japan mm-hmm. um and um so uh, in terms of japan um and formula d but it, sorry it's uh, d1 in, yes, in japan yeah, yeah. is a big one um have you ever been to japan any dreams to go uh, any ties there I've, like, yeah i've never been to japan i've 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 really wanted to go um well, my friend Ryan Lante in there, he's always out there for FD Japan. Oh, they, they nice. FD Japan has been, FD has been breaking into Japan and doing some events out there as well. So he's out there judging and he's actually gone out and bought a car uh, at a Bisu. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's yeah, pretty definitely. much the drift track it's kind you of know, mecca. in Japan. It's the mecca of drifting. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone, if you're into drifting, you got to go there once. And what's cool is that they have, uh, a used car program there. You can go to a BSU. You can buy yourself a, a 240 or you know a, a JZX100 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you basically can have at her and go to the track and and drift around for a couple of days. And if you don't trash the car, they'll buy it back from you. But if you do trash it, well, whatever. That's the end of that. <laughs> that's but that's uh, that's and they have these massive events there. These drift mysteries where apparently you can drive, you know, day and night. Doesn't matter what time it is. You just go on the track and just rip. So um, I I I'm gonna make my way out there it might not happen this year but um i i will eventually one day make my way to obisu and it will happen but uh, <laughs> and it'll be epic <laughs> yes it will be awesome my, my brother will be there filming with it and filming with me and, and that's we'll awesome some cool videos and stuff but um I mean, the only thing I went, I went to China and did some drifting out there, which is oh, pretty did? cool. Yeah, oh, crazy. Yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. It was actually a, a client of mine, um, that from the shop, um, he had started his own sort of tuning shop with his friends out there in China. Um, Were you guys so in they, Beijing? Uh, no, it was in, uh, Xiaomain. So it's the Southern okay. part of China. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they started their own shop okay. and they were having this massive grand opening and he was like, would you like to come out and, uh, be part of our grand opening and giving, uh, give a drifting ride alongs in the parking lot. I was no like, no kidding. Sure. Why not? So yeah. So what did you drive while you were there? Uh, they had a GT86 there <laughs> Yeah, awesome. with, with a Greddy turbo kit on it. And, uh, oh and, yeah, man, that's so awesome. It was cool. The only thing when we showed so cool. up there, they put these big AP brakes on it and, uh, the car had 18s and they only had the four wheels that went on the car and they couldn't put the stock wheels on it. I'm like, well, what about 
we're gonna we're gonna burn up tires on this car I'm like what are you guys gonna do for that yeah. and they kind of looked at each other and like, what do you mean i'm like well you, you're here for a drifting demo I'm yeah like, those are have the two time. on the car yeah. those aren't gonna last very long <laughs> yeah. so it was a little i had to go easy on it for a little bit because we only had two tires but yeah in the end i did the drifting demo and then another guy handed me the keys to like a bmw m4 and i went and drifted that thing around and burned the tires off of that so <laughs> it was a lot of fun kind of just going out there and you know um my friend Togo that took that sent me out there, uh, you know, he they treated us so amazing and had fancy dinners and we, we took a great tour of China and like just uh, it was oh, it was an unbelievable cool. trip. They brought my brother with uh, with me, so you know he was out there. He got to experience it all, and uh, it was it was one of those trips that I'll never forget, and I don't think I can ever duplicate. It was it was yeah. quite amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I had, I mean I had, I had no clue, but that sounds like a pretty epic trip. I mean, yeah, I I've done a couple into Japan. I mean my eyes were super open. I was you know up in the mountains in Guma. Yeah. And got a chance to do some stuff that I can't talk about. Uh, but uh, there was um, you know a moment where I was like, fuck, this is like. This is like the genuine uh, Mecca in terms of like where these 86s were allegedly, oh, you know, kind of, you know, bombing yeah. up and down these mountain roads. And, yeah. and um, it felt pretty special. I, I really so I, I, I've not had a chance to go to Obisu. Yeah. Um, but um, I was uh, following. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy on YouTube. Um, uh, it's either, uh, I think it's Hachinori, I think it's the guy's yes. name. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, he, it's a pretty cool video, like yeah, it's a pretty yeah. cool channel that he's got. Yeah, yeah. And it looks does really... a lot of cool things, that guy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it looks really interesting, like when he does, he, I watched his episode on, on Ibisu, and he's out there ripping on the car, and after like, you know, 10 laps, he just brings it back in, and there's like, you know, your full spot, you can come back, you can use tools, you can yeah. repair everything, like right there, trackside. Yeah. And it's just like anybody who needs the space, you just come in and out and do yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I gotta go, you know, he's like bumping the car around a corner and has no brakes. And he's just like, <laughs> well, I'll just like, you know, gear down and slowly make my way into the spot. Yeah. But um, it's one of those places where, I mean, I am, you know, I haven't even like remotely scratched the surface of the things that I want to do oh, in yeah. Japan. And I think the next time that I go, I really want to be able to extend my trip and stay like an extra like four or five days yeah, yeah. after having Jover on the show. He was like, oh man, like, you know, here's like the five things kind of that you yeah, have to yeah, do yeah, while you're there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I never even got a chance to do any of them, but that's definitely one of them. I've actually admittedly never driven a right hand drive car. Wow. And so um, that's obviously something that I'm really, you know, you go to I, Japan, you got to drive something. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I have, I have, uh, I have like no hesitation in it either. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would just throw me in the car. Yeah, like I'll be good after that's a couple of blocks. a little blocks. awkward at first. But yeah. You get used to it. Yeah. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but um, okay. So that makes, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense in terms of, um, you know, wanting to be there. There's some cool shit that happens at, uh, well, there's more than cool shit that happens at Ibisu, but. Yeah, it's um, just an amazing place. I mean, they even have petting zoos there. <laughs> petting zoo there. They guys got lions and like, all sorts of crap at that place. Yeah. Um, cool. I, the guy that owns it, he's, he's, he's quite the interesting guy. I think that, I, I think what we should do is we should get like four or five of us together. We'll yeah. all go, we'll shoot a crazy video oh, of it all. And then we'll in. come back and we'll be able to do like a 10 part uh, podcast series on our trip to Japan. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm down. Let's, let's let's just one. get let's get a couple of <laughs> japanese car manufacturers to sponsor our trip to do that yeah. i wonder who we could get i mean i've been trying <laughs> yeah, yeah you know um okay uh next up on that list is is one that i talked about um on, i had tamir moscovich on the show when he'd shot this really cool full-length feature called kaz 
Um, Casanori was the founder and uh, you know creator of the Gran Turismo um, yeah. series. And he was it, was, it was really cool. I mean, throughout that whole uh, documentary, it kind of ends off with the successes that he's seen with Gran Turismo evolving into this full race simulator that's now starting to spit out. Uh, that's a you know, pretty ru- cr- crude way of saying it, but like spitting out real and competitive race drivers yeah. um, on a regular basis now. And I was curious, like from your perspective and all your experience drifting and driving in general, if video games or any any video games, um, you know, like console video games or if anything um, yeah. like simulator wise, you've ever driven that you're like, yeah. yeah, it actually has a positive influence on it. Or did it help kind of culturally or like as, a, as an acceptance yeah. thing like did for drifting? So like for you, yeah. like where do video games kind of fall into play with, guess, with drifting? Um, I mean, I didn't really uh, I'm not really a massive video game player. Um, yeah, I, I played a lot with my brother. But I mean, the one I guess the, the two biggest games. That I played a lot of was Grid uh, back in the day. But, yeah, um, I played a lot of Grid yeah, too. Yeah, that really I like the drifting dynamics in that game, and it was a lot of fun. But yeah. um, I've I've uh, dirt dirt rally. Yes. I, I don't know how many hours I've logged oh, on dude, that silly game, but um, that's so funny. Those are like the, those are the two games that I spent way too much yeah, time on too. Know, I mean, I wasn't ever a really big Gran Turismo fan. I didn't mind the dynamics of it, but I just found like it was frustrating, and I don't know. I just it wasn't Same. it wasn't satisfying. Whereas with Rally, it's just like I don't know that the dynamics of that game just seemed to work quite well, and I just like yeah. the way the car slid around. And I think the same guys that made uh, Dirt also made um, Grid as well. So the, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so the dynamics were all kind of the same there. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a good balance between uh, like a full sim, like like yeah. Gran Turismo and like a little bit of the fun with arcade. Yes. Yeah. And like yeah. you get like a bit of the crazy adrenaline and yeah. like, yeah, it might be a little over exaggerated yeah. in terms of some of the dynamics of the car, but fuck, it was fun. No, exactly. <laughs> and then the, and the cool thing about it actually is what we're, we're doing now, because I mean, we haven't really got into that yet, but we're, yeah. we're going to start doing some rally driving. And so my brother and I, my brother's going to be my co-driver uh, for, for the rally driving. Um, what we've done is that we actually we're going to start practicing on video games. So we'll take pace notes on the video game, and then he'll sit beside me, and I'll drive the game, and he'll basically right. tell me the right. corners through the game. So it's like amazing. You get a little bit of practice, and you get used to it, and it's it's good. And you make a mistake, I crash in the game, it's no big deal. You crash the car <laughs> on a rally stage, we're gonna have a little problem. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you need we need that practice, and that's kind of the cool thing with video games is that uh, we can do that kind of practice, and it's pretty realistic in that regard. You know? Yeah, I mean, you 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 certainly do save a lot of money in development and yeah. and time spending and wrenching you get in the comfortable, car. Comfortable, especially when you're doing a, a driver code driver thing where yeah. me and him have never done anything like that um, so it's very new for both of us so it kind of gets our feet wet in the video game and hopefully when we get in the car and we actually go do it for real we feel a little bit more comfortable than just kind of winging it and, uh, and getting into it that's fucking awesome yeah. i mean good for you guys i mean i wish you all the best of luck in that i mean yeah, I, I think it's a it's a uh, um a really interesting thing to be able to do like your recce on an actual you know video game where yeah, you're like, yeah. all right, well, we'll figure all this out pull yeah. our face notes together yeah. um so uh, with that i mean it's, it's probably the, it probably is the perfect time to talk about it a bit is that um so next year as we talked about a little bit before um you're not gonna sorry this coming season yes. you're not gonna be involved back in in formula d yes but no, we you're, decided, you're, uh, you're making this move now yeah we decided to take the year off this year um you know, FD Canada kind of announced their schedule and they came up with these eight rounds and no rounds in Ontario. I was a little bit disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough, you know, to when you're, when, you're, when you're doing this at a pro level, you need sponsors. I've been doing this for like 10 years. You know, I have a lot of great companies that back me and it's starting to get to the point where it's just like, 
where is this going? You know, drifting has been around in Canada for a very long time and it just does not seem to want to make its way out of Quebec. And unfortunately, companies, you know, Quebec is only one province in Canada and it's a very small market. And so it's very difficult to companies to go, well, we'll spend a bunch of money sponsoring you. But then, well, it's only in one province. Like, you know, they're kind of they, they look at it a little funny. So, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed when this year when the FD Canada didn't announce like, an Ontario um, round. And I mean, I know from their perspective, unfortunately, uh, Ontario fans, they don't come out in drones. Um, I think if they had a consistent round somewhere in Ontario every year, people would start to come out. I mean, you look at CSCS, they, they seem to get decent numbers on crowds. And, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they've done quite well, but CSCS has been around for a long time. Yeah. Everyone you have to like develop and establish a bit of a rapport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you kind of yeah. got to do. And it does, just doesn't seem like the organizers of Drifting in Canada just want to give it that chance. They see, well, I lost money last year, so we're not going back again. And it's like, yeah. well, you're, you're kind of shooting well, everyone in the foot here. It's, it's crazy that at like Indy, that, that, that just couldn't keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like you know the repetition of that as a, as a part of the as, as a part of the race weekend. I mean, it blows me away. And that's, yeah. it's, it's kind of it's unfortunate, but at the same yeah. point in time, I know there's already a lot of complaints about everything that happens down there, anyways. Yeah. Um. But um. So okay. So I mean, you're you're gonna take a break this so, year. So yeah, uh, yeah. And what do you you're gonna move into a little bit of uh, dabbling? Yeah. In rally so this year. yeah, I figured you know what? Let's uh, let's change things up. And uh, I've I've wanted to drive do rally car driving you know forever and it's just drifting has always kind of taken uh you know the main stage on on my program and uh yeah to kind of develop a rally car and do drifting the same time this year you know we had to make a bunch of improvements to our pro drift car uh, i was gonna have to throw a ton of money at that and then throw a ton of money at a rally car i'm like this is just not gonna happen so right, yeah um i decided you know what let's just take a year off of fd canada i'll put the drift car aside and uh i had a, a toyota 86 sitting around i was like well let's just uh, take that and develop it into a uh, production two-wheel drive rally car right. um in terms of budget it's a little bit uh, more affordable to to run actually than you know our drift car our drift car is a 800 horsepower 2jz turbocharged car that <laughs> yeah. you know just absolutely annihilates tires and breaks all kinds of stuff all the time and it's yeah. a very high-end piece of equipment that always needs constant attention and constant constant maintenance and all that kind of stuff and mm -hmm, takes mm -hmm. race gas and all, you know all that stuff whereas with the rally i can build myself a production two-wheel drive rally car that runs stock engine stock transmission stock diff runs on pump gas you know doesn't burn 30 tires in a weekend <laughs> yeah. so i was like well we'll give that a try and I've, it's something i've always wanted to try so um so yeah, we're taking basically a, a completely stock uh, Toyota 8.6 and uh, putting a full-blown rally cage in it and beefing up the suspension and doing some of that kind of stuff. And I'm hoping to kind of uh, make my debut in rally in middle of the end of August. Uh, there's three rounds uh, that we're going to do with Tall Pines being the last one, which is one I've always wanted to do. You know, I've gone yeah. and watched it many times and I'm like, ah, yeah. I just want to get out there and drive. So, um, so yeah, our plan is to do sort of those three rounds of rally this year. And then in 2018, what I'll, what I'll do is um, we'll bring back my 2JZ uh, FRS. Uh, by then, I should have the, the budget that we need to make our improvements on that car. And I will probably just do the very large select rounds of FD Canada. So like they're saying a stash round, yep. uh, one at GP3R, and I think they have maybe one at Moment E. Just do, just do the really big ones. Yep. And then we'll focus on doing three or four of the really big uh, rally uh, rounds. I mean, I won't be fighting for championships. We'll just be going for wins, but... Yeah, totally. I, I, I've never been very good at going for championships. I think I, <laughs> I was runner-up in DMCC like three years in a row. I got driver of the year uh, one year in FD Canada, which is basically champion, but you yeah. know, they didn't kind of call it that. 
Um, but yeah, championships has always kind of eluded me. I've, I've, I've won a lot of races, but then we always seem to have disastrous other rounds. <laughs> they just don't level themselves out. There was a point yeah. where I was either winning or my, or, or I would just like fail Crashed. utterly or, or break the car badly. So, um, so yeah, I think that's what we're going to do. And I think it'll be a better sell to sponsors where, uh, you know, we're running, uh, two Toyota eight sixes in two different series. Uh, so you get a much you know wider range of crowd and people that are watching it. Totally, and, yeah. Uh, and I think it'll just be cool. You know, we'll paint the cars the same way, and uh, you know, I think it'll it'll broaden me as a driver, and uh, you know, I think it, I think it'll be a fun uh, fun thing to do. That's awesome, man. I mean, I I think they're they're lucky to have you. You've obviously got such a wide. Uh, range of driving experience too and being able to like you know put those two together yeah I mean, I, i'm interested to know like from your perspective after you get out there and you run your three events yeah. in the summer um i mean i'd love to have you back so hopefully yeah, you'll come back yeah. too but um i'd love to know kind of what um what skills you're able to like you know to transfer from yeah from drift to to rally because i mean as a you know as a spectator somebody who's watched a lot of both yeah um i mean the dynamics there have to be some, I mean, there, there needs to be, or not needs to be, I'm sure there are some like common There's places definitely where you're some common things. I, I think the hardest part for me is not going to be not to show off <laughs> driving the rally car. You know, if I come around and say, Oh look, there's a bunch of spectators. there. Let's go yeah. through figure out full lock. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the fastest way around, but I think in the pits, people are like, wow, you, you blast around. Cause I, yeah. I mean, I've gone out and watched a lot of rally and it's yeah. like, Four guys are like, wow, that guy ripped through that stage going buck sideways. It was awesome. And then the rest of them are like, what is this guy doing? Well, that's doing, the thing. You know? we're, we're, Left you, foot breaking the shit out of his were car. You at, was, uh, yeah. Were you at Tall Pines this year? Uh, I didn't go last year, no. So I, or sorry, yeah, last I year. I kind of got bored. I, I, was, I would go and I'd watch and I'd be like, three guys, four guys are fun to watch. And then the rest of them were just driving like pussies. Well, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's the, the thing is, like with that with that, uh, with that, that series, like I mean, even that race in particular. So they had, uh, Pastrana came up. For oh, yeah, yeah. He's so, a wild man. So Pastrana came up and i mean uh between pastrana and antoine lestage i mean clearly yeah. like the subaru yeah, the, the, guy. The, yeah, yeah. the subaru roots run deep there and uh, and then you've got brendan seminuk too yeah who's running the like the fully prepped uh cross track in that series now through uh rocket rally and pat yeah, Spares, yeah. and uh, uh pat richard's company and um when you see uh, when you see Travis come through uh, the corner at uh, the, I think it's the Iron Bridge stage, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. corner. When he came through, I mean, the crowd goes absolutely yeah. wild. And I was like, oh, I wonder what I, I wonder what Antoine's gonna do. And I mean, he came through just as hot, if not hotter, coming yeah, through, yeah. knowing that like Travis just put on a show for these guys. <laughs> like, I'm gonna and come through. It's and motorsports. Like, Part of it is putting on a it show. It is, you know. Yeah, and I mean, for for the especially for the spectators at rally, like, yeah. you might only get to see three. Corners. Corners. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in those three corners, like the you know, I feel like without having anything to substantiate it, yeah. the guys are coming through there, going like, "I'm gonna give them a bit of a show." Yeah, you know? I mean, you should. I mean, and then some of those guys, yeah, they just go through there, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I don't oh, know. it's so dismal. Like, oh, you you know, you could have gone through their buck sideways, and why didn't yeah, you? <laughs> yeah, hardly. So, you know, they they could come through in second, and they're you know they're in fourth <laughs> as they as they put yeah. by. But so I'm kind of worried that that might be my my sort of downfall is that I might drive two sideways too much and but, i think the the cool thing with rally is kind of controlling um controlling how hard you drive yeah and controlling that that fire uh to not over push because you know if you over push you're just gonna end up in the tree so well yeah that's the thing i mean i think ken block kind of found that early yeah. on in his but that's what's his, made his, his, him so popular is yeah. that the guy maybe he doesn't go out and win every weekend and he's not the the fastest dude out there 
But everyone loves seeing him drive. He drives balls out. He's sideways everywhere, and it's yeah. fun to watch. You know, well, that's so. that's one of the things too. Is that like there's, you know, if there's a motorsport that that is forgiving for a bit of showmanship, yeah. I would say that rally is probably yeah, one of those yeah. places that you can go you and do it. Split second here or there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and I mean, for you know, in Canada, I mean, it's it's you know, in the. Um, uh, in the all-wheel drive class and in the all-wheel driver, all-wheel drive and open class. I mean, yeah. you know the um, the Subaru Team Canada car or the Team Canada Subaru car is you know awesome. I mean, it, there's it's great uh, to have factory support yes, and a definitely. driver like Antoine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean you've dominated got a, Canadian rally for years now. Uh, you know, absolutely. Cool so it was fun to also see. Uh, Travis come up and you know and like you know he brought he brought some extra fans yeah yeah, um, yeah definitely but um, it was fun to also see like the camaraderie between the the Subaru teams yeah. I mean he was such a super nice guy I obviously still you know from my you know my roots and my affiliation with Subaru here in Canada Antoine's the guy yeah, you know and he's always you know he's like the 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 Canadian hero behind it all but yeah. um, anyways I hope that um, you know I hope you have a really successful oh, you, you know a uh, few events this year and then maybe next year depending on you know how you run if you're going to run more events i you know i'm very curious to see how it all works out yeah, because i yeah. think that rear wheel drive or that two wheel two wheel rear wheel drive uh experience out there is going to be one hell of a fun one and one that you're yeah. not going to be all that you know i mean you know. and that's what you do racing for is you know, at the end of the day i, I enjoy competing with it, but it's got to be fun too right so yeah. you know you all this work and all this effort and all this time to do this stuff it's still you gotta be having fun at the end of the day and i think um yeah, I'll be interested to see how we how we stack up. I mean, the production two wheel drive is a lot of guys in like BRZ, um, but yeah, not a lot of uh, a lot of guys in the in production two wheel drive running a rear wheel drive car. So yeah, if anything, I'm gonna put on a show. That's for sure. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be going buck sideways a lot. I mean, I did the I did the polar bear rally um, uh, this last uh, February. So that's basically it's an all night. Um, what do they call it? It's not like a, it's not a full on rally. It's like a, oh, I forgot how they, how they word it, but it's, they don't give you like, they don't give you directions to the corner. It's like your next turn is in 10 kilometers and there might be you know, a bunch of corners there. So they don't actually tell you, you know, four left, three, right. Right. So you can't drive flat out and it's, but it's, it's done in the middle of the night on the same roads that they use in the Paul, on the tall pines. And I, I don't know, even not knowing the roads, I have such a blast doing it. And you know, you can't drive flat out because you don't know what's over that crest or what that next right or left is going to be. But in the certain times when I can sort of get a little bit sideways and do a little bit of drifting, it's so much fun. And I think, you know, going into a full rally stage with proper pace notes and knowing what the corners are and being able to do a recce and kind of, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've kind of just thought about, you know, should we in the pace notes say, uh, oh, this corner is a, a D corner where it's like, all right, you know, if I, I cook it sideways, I can <laughs> yeah. link it all the way through, you know, yeah. some corners are like, well, you probably shouldn't drift that one because it's not going to work out on the rest. But it's like, yeah, this is a D set here, you know, drift these three, <laughs> four through here and you'll be all right. So I don't yeah. know. We'll see how it goes. We're going to have a good time with it. And uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. That's awesome. I Yeah, there's. I think there's a lot of fun to be had in it. I mean, there's, uh, I, I, when you look at races like Tall Pines, there's just so many good people that oh, end up yeah. coming out there and like the spectators are awesome. The support's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, that's it for part one of the Pat Sear episode. So stay tuned for part two. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.